Hi, and welcome to episode three of the Women Own Wealth Show, but with your host, Tara Johnson. I am here today with part two of our four-part investing series, and today we're going to talk about different types of investments that we can hold in the accounts that we talked about in part one. So thinking back to last episode, we talked about the different account types that we can have, right? Uh, Why we invest in those types of accounts and the tax consequences in each of those accounts to give us a nice baseline of where to start. Now that we have that good understanding, I wanna dive into uh, what we can actually invest in those types of accounts. So you may hear your friends talk about, oh, XYZ stock is up, you know, 50% this year, why didn't you buy it? Or uh, you listen to your wealth advisor talk about different mutual funds, ETFs, index funds. Uh, Then you log into your 401k at work and see a list of target date funds or index funds and mutual funds. This all can be really overwhelming. And I understand that. So here's where I come in and hopefully build a framework around each investment type. I'm going to look at five main investments and I'll give you some detail around each one. So I'm going to talk about stocks, bonds, mutual funds, index funds, and ETFs. I'm going to talk about the three three main points along each of those types of um, investments. Okay, so we're going to think about what is this investment type and, you know, what does it mean to own it and why would I own it? And then secondly, how do I make money purchasing this type of investment? And then thirdly, where does it fit and why would I buy it? Okay, so let's start with stocks. These are investments in a specific company. When you purchase a stock, you're essentially purchasing a share or a small piece of that company's earnings and assets. You now are considered technically a shareholder. Okay, the reason why companies sell their stock is to raise cash. They raise cash to fund their growth, products they're trying to sell, or other initiatives. And now that you're a shareholder, you're part of that growth. Um, Another thing to note is that stocks can be risky. All right, as we saw back in March, you know, the beginning of the pandemic, individual stocks can be affected by, yes, a pandemic bad news in the press, production forecasts, or potentially poor earnings reports. A lot can go uh, down really quickly, really fast. So you have to assess your risk category before purchasing a stock. Now, uh, how do you make money buying a stock? Well, there are two main ways that investors can make money when purchasing a stock. Okay, the value of the stock can go up is number one. So this means that when you purchase the stock, along with potentially other investors out there, you purchase it because the company that you're investing in, you think is going to do well, right? For example, let's look at Target. Okay, if you're anything like me or any other female out there, uh, Target is your home away from home. (laughs) It's a great place to escape for a moment, a great place to let your children run wild, uh, or cruise around window shopping, taking it easy. Uh, Okay, I digress. But uh, you may think, wow, I spend a lot of time here. I love what the company is doing. I really think their online presence is great. I love that you can pick up you know, my groceries, my shopping, etc. So you decide to buy this stock. You buy the stock because you think the value of the company is going in the right direction. And you think it's going up and you want to be a part of it. Okay. So that's number one way you think the value is going to go up, then you can sell it for a profit. 
and that's your gain, okay? The second way uh, to make money on a stock is through a dividend, okay? Individual stocks pay dividends. Now, not all companies, so Target, for instance, does pay a dividend, but not all companies pay a dividend. All right, so <clears throat> that's something to consider when purchasing this stock as well is, do you want a dividend paying stock or not? Now, let's talk about what a dividend actually is. A dividend is a payment made to shareholders, so that would be you, out of the company's revenue. So these dividends are typically paid out quarterly, so there are a few more details here that we'll dive into. Okay, uh, you have a choice in most cases to decide if you want a dividend paid out to you or to reinvest that dividend. Now, this is a personal preference and typically depends on your financial planning goals, but here's a basic scenario. So for me, uh, someone in my 30s, I've purchased Target stock. I have years of accumulation ahead of me, and so I would like to take advantage of reinvesting those dividends to purchase more shares. So what does this actually look like? Well, at the end of quarter one, so at the end of March this year, for example, Target will pay out its dividend, which right now is around 1.4, let's call it 1.5% per share. Okay, Target is priced at about $190 a share today. So 1.5% would be around $2.90 per share that you own. Okay, this means as I can reinvest <clears throat> that $2.90 and purchase a portion of a share of Target. And that means over time, I'm buying more shares of Target at fluctuating prices, which can accumulate my growth. Now, scenario two is, okay, I'm going to use a, reti a retired couple, for example. Well, they're 60 years old, entering retirement. Now, they no longer want, they're, excuse me, they're no longer collecting wages. They have a need for income. Well, one way to generate income for these clients would be to send them all the dividends on a quarterly basis. Um to replace their income that they were receiving or at least supplement it in some way. So again, what does this actually look like? Well, say they purchase that same target stock. At the end of March, again this year, they receive that same 1.5% dividend that target kicks out, so that $2.90 per share. Okay, say they own 100 shares. Well, that totals $290, okay, that they receive in their bank account to supplement their income. Well, $290 is probably hard to live on, but this is just for an example, okay? So again, when you receive a dividend and ways to earn money on those dividends is to either, you know, reinvest it and purchase more shares or get it uh, in cash in your bank account to potentially supplement your income, right? <clears throat> now you may be asking, where is a good place to purchase individual stocks? Well, let me start by telling you where you may be purchasing stock and you don't even know it, okay? Uh, this is potentially in your 401k. There's many people out there who work for, you know, Fortune 500 companies or large private companies that when you elect to participate in your 401k, they automatically start purchasing individual stocks for you of their company. And a lot of people don't even realize it until all of a sudden they have all this, you know, company stock built up in their 401k. Another way where you may not know that you're participating is through an employee stock purchase plan. Typically, you know you're participating here, but that's also participate, or excuse me, that's also a way to purchase individual stocks.
Now, looking back at our last episode, you can essentially purchase stocks within all types of the accounts. So you look at all the you know account buckets, and um, we can we can purchase stocks within all of those. It's an investment type that you have access to. Uh, it all depends on whether your wealth advisor or the investing platform has them available to you. But typically, <clears throat> you can invest in individual stocks in most types of accounts. Okay, now let's transition into bonds. Okay, so definition of a bond is it's a loan that you make to a company or government. When you purchase a bond, you're allowing the bond issuer to borrow your money and pay you back with interest, okay? So bonds are typically a little less risky than buying stocks. The main risk associated with a bond is that with any loan, think about your mortgage, for example, the issuer can default. So on my mortgage, I can essentially default on my loan, therefore I can't pay the mortgage company. Well, when you purchase a bond, the issuer can default and they can no longer pay you, right? The U.S. government bonds are actually backed by the full faith and credit of the United States. So that bond type eliminates that default risk, okay? So that's just one thing to know. There are a few layers when it comes to bonds, and they are very complex. So, you know, I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but here's just a couple things to note. You can purchase short-term, medium-term, long-term bonds, okay? There's many types of bonds. Typically, though, a short-term bond has less risk and less return as compared to a long-term bond. And, you know, you think about that with stocks too, you know, risk versus reward, right? You have to take risk to get reward. It's typically the same with a bond. A shorter-term bond is less risk and less reward. Secondly, there are three main types of bonds, corporate bonds, government bonds, and municipal bonds. We're not going to go into detail about those. Uh, Potentially down the road on a different episode, we can really dive into bonds and talk more about those. Okay, so how do we make money purchasing bonds? Well, bonds are considered fixed income, excuse me, a fixed income investment. Therefore, you make money by collecting interest on a regular basis, okay? This usually happens once or twice a year, so it's not a quarterly payment, it's not a monthly payment, typically once or twice a year, and the total principal is paid off at the end of the maturity date of that bond, okay? So when we're looking at purchasing bonds, not many people purchase actual individual bonds, right? This is, that's more of a, um, a unique uh, investment. Typically, people get access to bonds through exchange-traded funds, ETFs, or mutual funds and index funds. It's much easier, um, potentially more cost-effective depending on what route you go, uh, but it's a lot easier and more accessible to your average investor. Okay, and you also do get paid interest through those avenues as well. Now, I also want to be clear that there are more nuances about bonds, which I mentioned previously, but we simply don't have the time to go into, uh, but I hope this is enough to uh, give you enough insight on what bonds are and why you may purchase them. So next, we're going to talk about mutual funds. Mutual funds allow investors to purchase a large number of investments in a single transaction. These funds are pools of money from many investors that employ a professional money manager to invest these money in stocks, bonds, or other assets. 
So many people who purchase mutual funds have a strategy in mind. For example, say they are a moderate investor and want to be in a moderate portfolio. So in my mind, I think of that as say 60% in stocks, 40% in bonds. Okay, you can purchase a mutual fund that owns individual stocks and individual bonds within that mutual fund that have a moderate growth goal or strategy. So how risky the fund is, is based on what stocks and bonds are held within that mutual fund. And that manager is managing all of those individual holdings on the investor's behalf. Okay. So when a mutual fund, so how do you make money when purchasing a mutual fund? Well, for example, through stocks and dividends. Okay. So you may ask, how do I make money when investing in a mutual fund? Well, for example, through stock dividends or bond interest. It distributes a proportion of that to its investors. So when the manager is going and purchasing stocks and bonds, they are making trades within that mutual fund, and then they distribute that growth to the individual investors. When the investment inside the funds go up, your mutual fund essentially goes up in value, okay? Which means you can sell it for a profit. Note that you'll pay an annual fee for a mutual fund called an expense ratio, to invest in a mutual fund, okay, as we go into part four of investing, I will talk a little bit more about fees and keys things, key items to be mindful of. But um, when we're talking about mutual funds right now, you know, typically they are a little bit more expensive than the other types of accounts that, or excuse me, the other types of investments that we're talking about. Now, when would be a good time to purchase these? Let me tell you a few things about that. Most 401ks offer mutual funds. It's just been how it's always been. It's just pretty standard that 401ks offer mutual funds. They are also offering different types of investment types now, but the basis is mutual funds. A lot of these mutual funds are actually target date funds. So you may or may not know what a target date fund is, but it's a beneficial mutual fund and a good way to set and forget it, okay, inside your 401k. The mutual fund managers within mutual fund managers within a target date fund uh, shift your risk from more risky, say when you're in your 30s like myself, to less risky as you approach your retirement date, which is listed on that retirement date fund. So let's transition next into index funds. Okay, what's an index fund? Well, it's a type of a mutual fund that passively tracks an index. So Rather than paying a manager to pick and choose investments, for example, an S&P 500 index will aim to mirror the performance of an S&P 500 by holding stocks of the company within that index. Okay, so that was a lot. Uh, it bas it's basically like owning one share of each company in the S&P 500, okay? So when you listen to the news, for example, and it says the S&P 500 is up X amount of points today, you know that because you own the S&P 500 index that you are also performing exactly how they said. Okay, it's also called a passive investment. And that's because it just kind of sits back, relax, 
and follows the index, okay? The benefit of an index fund is that it tends to be less expensive. So when we're just talking about traditional mutual funds, they have an expense ratio. They pay a fund manager to shift stocks and bonds around for the benefit of the investor to potentially and hopefully beat the index. Well, with an index fund, you're just following the index. We are not paying a fund manager to move things around because you're just owning one share of each, you know, uh, stock or bond in that index. So the cost is less, okay? So now you ask, how do I make money from an index fund? Well, you may earn dividends and interest, which is again, similar to a mutual fund and it's distributed to its investors. These funds may also go up in value when the benchmark indexes go up. So again, when you hear on the news, S&P 500 is up, well, my fund is up and I have the opportunity to sell at that point and capture that gain, which is my growth and how I make money. Okay, now lastly, when thinking of a type of an account uh, to invest in with an index fund, fund I, I truthfully think all of them fit, okay? So I, I don't think there's one account that benefits more from having an index fund or not. Uh, this type of fund is becoming much more popular. Number one, because it's less expensive. Number two, because mutual funds have a really hard, a traditional mutual fund has a really hard time outperforming a standard index and you tack on the expense ratio to, to, to a traditional mutual fund and it's really difficult to outperform. So they become really popular. Uh, and so, you know, I see them in a lot of different account types and, um, so uh, it's up to you if you, where you want to invest this. And I really think they are becoming a, a lot more of a popular investment type. So lastly, ETFs. These are called exchange traded funds. They are actually a type of an index fund, okay? They track a benchmark index and aim to mirror that index's performance. Okay, so like an index fund, they tend to be cheaper than mutual funds because they're not actively managed. We're not paying a mutual fund manager to move things around for us, okay? The major difference between an index fund, which we just talked about, and an ETF is that ETFs are purchased uh, and they trade on an exchange and you can buy and sell them throughout the day. Okay, an index fund, on contrary, is traded like a mutual fund. So you can only sell it at the end of the day price. Okay, so if you want to act more like a stock, you would purchase an ETF because you can buy and sell that throughout the day and get more of an accurate price uh, when you purchase or sell that uh, type of investment. Okay. If you are a client of mine, okay, and you know that we almost exclusively use ETFs. And the main reason for that is because of the low cost, free trading, um, the efficiencies from a tax standpoint, right? And we can trade throughout the day to get more exact pricing. So we've been using these almost exclusively in our portfolios to generate a well-allocated portfolio. Okay, so the cool thing about ETFs is that you can get exposure to different asset classes. So in, in actually a very specific way by owning an ETF. 
So let me tell you a little bit more what I mean. Uh, you can purchase, for example, a large cap, so which is a large company, ETF, a small cap, so small companies that have potential for really high growth or, you know, quick failure. So you're taking a little bit of a risk there, right? Uh, you can also purchase emerging markets. So, you know, markets overseas that are starting to really ramp up their, their economies. You can also classify by sector, for example. So such as the energy sector, industrials, consumer staples, healthcare, real estate, financials, and so on. Okay, so it's ETFs are a great way to gain exposure to different sectors, different industries, large companies, small companies by paying low costs, for the most part, free trading, depending on who you work with. Uh, and um, it seems to be a, a really popular investment growing forward, similar to those end index funds that we talked about. So how do we make money? Well, just like most investments that we've talked about, your hope is that the ETF will grow in value and that you can sell it for a profit. So they also spit off an, uh, a dividend, which we discussed before as well. And typically this is on a quarterly basis. Okay, so where do we buy these? Uh, as I mentioned previously, if you're a client of mine, you understand that we most exclusively use these in all accounts right now, okay? Um, but they're beneficial in non-qualified accounts. So when we think about last episode, when we were talking about non-qualified accounts, this account has been taxed already, and it grows, and you get taxed annually on you know your dividends and interest well. The ETF is a really tax-efficient investment vehicle, so it's a great investment for that type of an account. Okay, so in summary, we have touched on the five main investment types. Yes, there are others, okay? But these are the main five that we will see most often and are the least complex. There's others out there that are more complex and uh, and your typical investor would not use those. So I think we have a good framework uh, with good framework for moving forward by learning about these main five investment types. So I hope you were able to gain some knowledge today or able to generate some questions regarding your own portfolios, potentially bring up some ideas or just have a better understanding when discussing your finances with your partner or choosing your investment allocation at work or learning more about um, what to do in your own portfolios at home. Either way, I hope this lays a nice framework for you uh, when understanding the different types of investments that are available to you. Now, thanks again for tuning into Women Own Wealth, and we will see you next time. Now go out there and own your wealth. Take care.